0: What if you could save a ton of money on your advertising by looking for a platform with your target audience instead of trying to take a platform and target your audience? Sounds crazy, but you might want to bear with me on this one. And we are, of course, celebrating one year of podcasting. So we're going to talk a little business, and then we're going to talk about what comes next. That and more coming up on the marketingandservice.com podcast. Hey, Justin Bruzzo here from the marketingandservice.com podcast, the podcast that's designed to help you build your business by creating incredible customer relationships. If you find value in this episode, please take a moment to follow or subscribe. And if you want to do me a huge personal favor, leave a five star review. It means the world to me. And I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on the marketingandservice.com Facebook page. What marketing challenges are you having with your business? And what would you love to learn more about? Let me know and I might make an episode just for you. So what the heck do I mean by targeting an audience versus targeting a platform with your target audience? As I say it, it sounds a little bit wacky, but hear me out for a second. Here's where I'm getting to. There are a lot of venues and platforms in which you can advertise, right? And we've talked about this a lot. We've talked about Google, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. There's all these different very large platforms that make it very, very easy to advertise your business. So how do you know which one to use? And naturally, there's certain things that suit certain platforms better than others, but let's take the most generic and start with Facebook ads. We've talked a lot about Facebook ads and we've talked a lot about the importance of really taking the time to target the appropriate audience because whenever you do an ad spend, you don't want it wasted. And if your ad is being shown to people that don't apply to the business that you are in, then you are wasting time and you are wasting money. So obviously the goal is always to get your ad in front of people who are actually people eligible for your product or service. I hope that much makes sense. So now when we Turn this around and we start looking at the platforms. We've talked about this a little bit. For example, we know that Facebook now caters to an older audience than TikTok does. And that seems fairly obvious, even though TikTok has grown tremendously and the demographics on TikTok have shifted slowly, the the bottom line is that TikTok still has a predominantly younger audience than Facebook does. And Instagram is in the middle. It certainly doesn't have quite as many uh, of the older people on it that Facebook does, but it's still an old technology, so it's trending in that direction of Facebook, and you're going to be catering to an older audience on there. But what made me think of this in particular was the fact that i would mentioned it I think once or twice before. I have another podcast that I produce called Behind the Tin. It's a podcast about heroes, about men and women in law enforcement or first responders or those who really do incredible things. And the podcast talks a lot about what they do when their badge is in the locker. When they aren't working, they continue to do these heroic things outside of their day job. And one of the things that happened is is, as you know, in this podcast I have not run any ads on this podcast I don't have any advertisers uh, and I it's just not something I plan to do anytime soon on this podcast but on the other podcast behind the tin which you can certainly feel free to check out I guess technically I just put an ad in the podcast but you know it's my own thing so I don't I don't really look at it as an ad on behind the tin we do have some advertisers that have reached out to us relatively quickly and early on in the process and one of the reasons was is because because the audience was hyper-targeted. Now, what I mean by that is the guests that are on that show are always first responders, military, law enforcement, and most of the people listening are also part of that community. And this was a discussion we had going into it is whether or not are we targeting this to first responders or are we targeting this to People who would enjoy hearing stories about first responders. In the end, we really wanted to gear it specifically to first responders and people in emergency services. And ultimately, what happened is we actually picked up a lot of listeners who were just regular people, civilians on regular civilian jobs that really enjoyed hearing these stories of heroism. But nonetheless, the bulk of our audience was still in that category, and immediately some companies realized that that is a target audience they want to reach. So it occurred to me the value in podcast advertising, for example, can be incredible because you're usually paying these things based on an audience size or a number of listens or a number of downloads. And podcasts, unlike radio or television, have very, very narrow numbers. They're they're much, much smaller on average. And even ridiculous giant number one podcasts like Joe Rogan, we're not talking that he's getting 30, 40 million listens per episode like a major smash hit would on television. It's still a very niche audience. To take that a step further, Joe Rogan is an exception to the rule. Most podcasts are relatively small. Most podcasts might have anywhere between 10 downloads an episode and maybe at the high end, 1,000 downloads per episode. And what's important is that a podcast with 1,000 downloads per episode in this medium is considered incredibly successful. And the reason is, is because if you can capture someone's attention week after week after week, and you do that a thousand times over again, you have an audience that is obviously very interested in what you have to say. And now if your topic is something that is very specific to a specific audience, for example, behind the tin being first responders, military, police, fire, that is a very niche audience, and now having those thousand people listen to an episode, an advertiser can be confident that when they advertise, they're reaching almost entirely the target that they're looking for. And the reason this is much, much different than what I started this with, with a Facebook ad, is Facebook, you have to work the other way around, and you can't always find the things that you need to find to narrow down the audience, right? You're always at the limits of what Facebook can offer. So you have to select an audience, you have to select an age range, you have to select specific interests, but you don't get to select anything you want. You can only select the things that are actually in that drop-down list that Facebook gives you, which is very, very specific, and you can really take time and narrow it down. But ultimately, there's always going to be circumstances where you don't find exactly what you're looking for. The other problem is it takes a really long time to find all of these things and really put together a great ad campaign. So by going a route like advertising on a podcast, you might be able to directly connect with an audience that specifically loves the product or service that you're selling or is in that geography, for lack of a better word, of the product or service that you're selling. And like most musicians and artists, podcasters are all starving and they'd be very happy if they could get anything out of their podcasts. So they are very much inclined to give you a great rate to advertise and connect directly with their incredibly specific audience. Now, of course, if there's a podcast that you enjoy about fictional stories or a podcast, maybe true crime is really popular these days. That's probably not what I'm talking about here because in that case, you don't know. I mean, everybody loves true crime podcasts, which is why true crime podcasts are so incredibly popular right now. But let's say that you are an avid fisherman and there is a product that you sell in the fishing world and there is a podcast that is number one in the fishing category that has a thousand obsessed Fishermen, And that's all they talk about is fishing on the podcast week after week after week. The podcast has a great track record. You sell this certain product that is relevant specifically to the fishing industry. This is an incredible opportunity for you to connect. You don't have to filter this out. You don't have to spend hours trying to AB test and narrow down an audience. Of course, you should always A-B test the ad in general for the content, the copy, and the images, but not for the target. In this case, you know the target, and what you're essentially buying is the target. You're buying a platform that already has your target, and that's what happens when you advertise on a podcast. Another example of this can even be YouTube. I've been saying it for a while that YouTube video ads are incredibly affordable. I think many small businesses back away from it because it requires video production, which of course can be complicated and expensive. But when you run a video ad on YouTube compared to a video ad on television, the prices are astronomically lower and you can target very, very specific people. And in some cases, you can even target a specific channel. So again, using that phishing example, if there is a top fishing channel on YouTube, you can target that fishing channel and say, show my ads to people who watch this fishing channel. Now, of course, You got to understand on the YouTube side and potentially on the podcasting side that people don't want to advertise something that is contradictory to what they are offering or what they are selling, right? So if I have a fishing kit and you now want to advertise on my show, but you're also advertising a fishing kit, it's going to give me pause as a host to say, ah, do I really want to advertise for a direct competitor of mine? So on YouTube and and on Facebook and on Google, on all of them, you can always set up negative keywords. And I've mentioned this before, I don't want to get too deep into it, basically, on most advertising platforms, as an advertiser, and you should do this, you can have negative keywords that say, if this keyword appears, do not show my ad, right? So if if, uh, if you're selling a new fishing rod, and someone is Googling a different brand fishing rod, you might know, listen, there's no chance the person buying that brand would have any interest in my brand. And you can actually put in a negative keyword that says, never show my ad to someone when they're searching for this. On the other hand, it might be the opposite. You might have a fishing brand that you say, wow, if, if that person is interested in that piece of fishing equipment, they might really be interested in mine. But that's that's the idea of negative keywords. And that was a little bit of a tangent. So let's just jump back to the alternative venues that you have for advertising. You have podcasts, you have YouTube, in-game advertising. This is something that I think a lot of people don't really look at too much. And again, this is a niche audience. You're you're now targeting gamers. But if you have a product or a service that relates at all to people who play games, even people who play games casually, in-game advertising is becoming a huge business and it's really beginning to happen at a variety of levels. Uh, you see things like racing games. So lot, almost everyone's p- probably played a racing game at some point in their life, right? A car racing game. And back in the day, there were no brands in car racing games, but now any modern car racing game, you can pick any brand you want. You can get a Honda, a Nissan, a Ferrari, a Lamborghini. You can unlock, you can buy certain brands after the fact. That's become a huge thing, monetizing the in-game play from the developer's perspective. But there's also up in-game advertising. If you're playing Words With Friends, uh, you probably have seen an ad pop up in the middle of playing the game. That's just straight up in-game advertising. And there's networks that developers can partner with where you say, I'm going to put my ad on this network and I know it's going to show up on all these games on cell phones, right? So it's mobile gaming advertising. And that could be a way to reach your audience very effectively depending on the product or service that you are looking to connect with. I'm not going to take the time in this episode to really deep dive into technically step by step how to run a podcast ad or a YouTube ad or how to reach out to an influencer or reach out to a podcaster. Uh, that I think that's for another day. But I just really wanted to drive home the point that I think especially a lot of small businesses just think, hey, I have to run a TV ad, a newspaper ad, and a Facebook ad. Uh, if you've got a local business, you you might have better off with a local newspaper, even though that's kind of antiquated at this point because you you don't know how effective it could be with these digital mediums like podcasting attribution becomes really really improved and easier. It's not perfect, especially with podcasting is really still very new, and there's not a lot of the tools that are available for other venues that can really attribute the ad so specifically, but it is out there, and it's getting there, and it's getting better. YouTube, you can certainly have perfect ad attribution. If someone watches your ad on YouTube, clicks the link, and then buys something, you're going to know it. Same goes for Facebook and Instagram. There's no wondering if your ad is effective or how effective it is. It is crystal clear. Even Google AdWords and with the Google retargeting and Facebook retargeting, even a week later, if someone sees that ad and takes action, you will still get the attribution back to that original ad and know that that is where the conversion came from. So now that we got business out of the side, let's talk about some fun stuff. It is unbelievable to me that as I record this episode, we are now one year into this podcast. This will be episode 48 48. I've done 48 episodes in one year. Now, unfortunately, I did take about four weeks off throughout the year. Most of that was fairly recently as things have gotten hectic and busy in my life. It's hard to keep the schedule. If you don't believe me, listen to last week's episode about podcasting. Uh, it, It takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, and I'm going to try to stick with a weekly schedule moving forward, but I may skip some weeks here and there, and eventually I might go to a twice a month platform. I'm not quite sure yet exactly what I wanna do with that, but it has been an amazing year doing this podcast i've really enjoyed it and the idea that there's you know 48 episodes is basically 24 hours of me talking about marketing Uh, it, it, from that perspective, it really sounds awful. Like I, I just, I, the idea that someone could sit down and just listen to me ramble on about marketing for 24 hours sounds like the worst thing in the world, but it, it has been really, truly fun. I, have gotten to meet some incredible people. I've had some incredible conversations. Uh, I continue to have incredible conversations. I've got some great guests lined up already for this year, coming into this year. What's even more insane to me is that I recorded the first episode two years ago now which i think to myself whenever we talk about analysis paralysis i epitomized analysis paralysis 2 years ago i would be recording episode 100 something right now had i just hit go Two years ago I've talked about this on a few different episodes I recorded about three episodes of the show and I just thought they weren't good enough and I kept going back I kept tweaking I kept editing then I'd get discouraged and I'd walk away for a month then I'd come back and try again then I would just wipe it all out and record it all over again and just wasn't happy and just kept going back and forth and I was literally terrified to hit that publish button that first time and then I did and you know what happened nothing nothing bad happened No one called me and said I was an idiot. No one called me and said I was a fraud. Nobody said, hey, you shouldn't have done that. It just happened. I got some nice notes. Hey, listen to your podcast. That sounds great. Oh, congratulations on your new podcast. Oh, you're podcasting. That sounds interesting. Tell me more about how podcasting is. Right? Those are all the things that happened. Nothing Nothing bad happened. But I think we've all been in a position where we are doing something new, something that we are very uncomfortable with or that is foreign to us, and it seems really scary. And then, of course, once you do it, you look back in retrospect and realize that all that anxiety and fear was all really kind of nonsense, and it really wasn't justified. So with one year under my belt, I want to talk a little bit about what I'd like to do moving forward. And I want to talk a little bit about your business and your challenge and your concerns. It's sometimes hard for me to come up with ideas every single week. What's something that a small business really needs to hear about? What's something that someone in marketing really wants to know about to take their marketing to the next level? What is something that customer experience can be improved upon in a corporation or in a business? How can you have consistency? How can you add value? How can you create long-term relationships? You know the themes if you've been listening at all. That's always what it's about. But I think moving forward, I want to take things more out of the theoretical and more into the practical. So very soon, I'm going to start asking you to participate in the podcast, right? I want to know what you're doing. And I think the way I'm going to approach this is I'm going to offer some completely free marketing coaching sessions. And I will not charge a penny for this, but we're gonna pick one thing, and you're going to agree that you don't mind me recording these, and we will take these half-hour coaching sessions or one hour, whatever, I haven't worked out the details yet, but I'm going to narrow that down into episodes that will probably be bonus episodes above and beyond the standard episodes that I've been doing all year long. So the idea here is that I want to help someone in real life, and I want it to be practical, I want it to be tangible, and I want to see your results. So you're going to have to share where you're starting, you're going to have to share what you want your goal to be, and then you're going to have to share your progress along the way, and you're going to have to agree for me to publish that on the podcast. And if those things all line up, then I think that we can take some of these concepts we talk about and actually break it down into the nitty gritty and see exactly what we're looking at and see what metrics we're measuring and seeing how we're evaluating the impact that the marketing is having. See how we can overcome those fears, right? How do we overcome the anxiety? How do we overcome, maybe you're sending your first email and you're nervous. Maybe you really wanna run a Facebook ad and you get right to the end where it says publish and you're just like, ah, what if I did this wrong? What if I don't have the right audience? What? And all these things start coming up and you get this anxiety and you say, ah, let, let me get back. Let me get back to it a little bit later, because there's a lot of things here, there were a lot of things I clicked, I don't know if I did it right. And what I want to be able to do is walk you through this step-by-step, one-on-one, and then we share it with everybody. And then someone else can say, hey, okay, I I like that episode, you talked about email marketing, the importance of email marketing, and uh, maybe we talked about A-B testing in email. Well, what does that mean? What's A-B testing? How do we set those variations? How do we analyze and measure those variations? Maybe you have a very small email list with only 100 emails in it and you don't really have a list big enough that's worth A-B testing. Then you have to ask, well, what can I target to these 100 people that won't be annoying or obnoxious? What value can I provide in an email? Uh, Another example could be an email automation chain, right? So I'm a huge fan of automating whatever can be automated as long as it makes sense and creates a better customer experience, right? I've talked about it. If someone buys something Uh, like a piece of software or something that's highly technical that involves a lot of knowledge and a lot of setup. It's nice to have an onboarding process that will drip out these emails over time that help explain the process, where people should be, where they can go for more help, who they can contact if they're not, where they should be at that time. Because you want someone to be successful with your product. And I think that's the key here is that it's easy, especially in a sales role, once you close the sale, you, by necessity, pretty much have to move on to the next one. And sometimes I think people buy something and maybe it's just not the right fit for them, which means that there's an error in the sales process because there should have been enough information gathered in that sales process that you are confident that your product can help the client. But let's just say that your product did help the client, but the client is struggling for one reason or another, and then they drop out. The idea is to try to mitigate that, and try to give them the assistance and the motivation that they need to get to the next level. But yeah, now I am putting you on the spot. I've been putting myself on the spot every week for a year, but now I kind of want to switch this around. I want to put you on the spot. And I want to have you on the show, and I want to hear about what challenge you have and what you think we can do to overcome it, and we will do it. We will overcome it together. I will walk you through it, and uh, hopefully it's something that is successful, and maybe it's not. You know, Maybe we send uh, seven or eight emails, and you set up some automation, and it has no impact whatsoever, and we're going to be totally transparent about that. I have no problem with that. I, I will admit, hey, this-, this didn't work. We did everything we were supposed to do, and it just didn't work. And you know what? sometimes it happens. Way back, one of the first interviews I did was an episode with Vince Warnock. Uh, You can go back and listen. It was episode number seven, and it was entitled Testing, 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 Marketing Variables with Vince Warnock. And In that episode, we talked a lot about how sometimes, even in big corporations, in Vince's case, he worked at a large insurance firm, and his job in marketing... Uh, They ran into some situations where they did everything right. They thought they did everything good, and it just didn't work out. The thing was, they didn't just say, oh, wow, that doesn't work and give up. What he realized was by creating more and more variables and testing it, we could do it better and better and better each time and slowly improve it. And the beauty is that as you maximize this, the impact is usually perpetual, right? If you get an incredible ad that really is effective at converting, usually the more you spend on it, that conversion will stay consistent for a pretty long time. Now, eventually, every ad gets stale and old, but we've seen them. We've seen ads on TV over and over and over and over again, and you probably see that because it's working. Even if it's an ad that's annoying and you hate it and you can't stand, for me, it's Liberty Mutual. I cannot stand those ads, but you know what? The fact they're still running them, it tells me that they are probably having success with it and they're probably getting a uh, lot of interest and inquiries and leads that they weren't getting prior, so they continue to invest in what is working. But you have to get to the point that it is working and you do that by testing and testing and testing. So the beauty of of digital advertising, is back in the day, if you were to run a full-page ad in a newspaper or a magazine, you would have to prepare that ad months in advance, then the magazine comes out, hits the shelves, then you're gonna wait for a few months to see the outcome, and maybe it was successful, maybe it wasn't. If it wasn't, what did you do? Did you just run another ad and hope for better results? Probably not, but the beauty of digital marketing is that you can run the ad for a small amount of money, a small amount of money. You don't have to spend $100,000 to run a Facebook ad because Facebook ads are what I just said, they're scalable, right? If the ad is good, it should be scalable. If you get one of 100 people to convert, with ad exposure on a Facebook ad, then you should technically get 10 out of 1,000 and 100 out of 10,000, does this make sense? So you don't have to run the ad to a million people, you need just a good sample size and you can test it. And instead of spending $1,000, maybe you spend $75 and test the ad. You get no results. Okay, let's tweak a few things. Try it again. Spend 75 bucks and get the ad. And sure, this can add up, especially if you're advertising on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Google, all at the same time. Yeah, it's going to get expensive. But if you've been following along with me at all and, and, and you listen to my advice just a little bit, don't be advertising on nine platforms at once if it's not working well, hoping that one of them will grab. Let's pick one. Let's pick one. That's effective, or one that has the potential to be effective, and don't move from that until that is successful. Now, if you want to wrap it up and say, "Hey, listen, this Facebook thing just does not work for me. I don't want to do it. I'm going to move all my spending to uh, video ads on YouTube." Great, but when you do that, again, don't just blast an ad out and say, "Oh, well, I ran it for a month for a thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, whatever it is. Nothing worked. I didn't get one lead. It was a joke." you got to test it. you got to test the copy. you got to test the headline. What's the offer? What's the promo? Is it enticing? Maybe it's a great ad, but it's just not a very good offer. Or the offer is not articulated well, or the value isn't conveyed properly. I mean, there's so many variables, and the whole basis of that episode was testing, testing, testing. I want to test with you. I want to test live. I want to test face-to-face and let's see what we can do. That's what I want to do this year. If you are interested in something like this, then please shoot me an email, justin at marketingandservice.com. That's J-U-S-T-I-N at marketingandservice.com. Get in touch with me and let me know, what is your marketing challenge? Don't be scared. I mean, I I understand that this in and of itself can be nerve-wracking and a scary thing, but my hope is that once you get through it, the very least, you're going to say, wow, that, that really wasn't that bad. Why, why didn't I do that sooner? Why didn't I implement this tool sooner? Why didn't I send this email sooner? Why didn't I run this ad sooner? Because I know I tell myself every week now, why didn't I start this podcast sooner? Why didn't I hit launch in 2020? Why did I wait an entire year? And a year is a long time. It really is a long time. Think about it. if you've been tweaking those AB ads now and testing those variables for a year, right now, today, you will have been running the perfect ad. And I don't think it takes a year. I think you can narrow this down in a month, two months. I mean, the, these ads don't have to run for months at a time. These ads are ads that are gonna run for maybe a week. And then you're gonna say, what were the results in a week? Okay, let's tweak this. What are the results now? Let's tweak this. Same with the emails. How do we target the email? and again this is not just advertising it's marketing in general it could be the tools maybe you want to implement a crm maybe there's something on your website you want to add or change or fix or make better but you don't want to do it because you think it will make things better you want to measure it you want to make the change and you want to measure it again and prove that it made things better because maybe you did something you thought looked a lot better but actually reduced your conversion rate a little bit on your website maybe you added some banner or moved a button and said oh that looks so much better now but You shouldn't do it because you think it feels good. Do it because you measured it and you know that it worked. Listen, that's all I got for you today, but let's do this. Let's do this together. And with that, I'll catch you on the next one.